Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan, presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 45. I appreciate everyone weighing in and reaching out over the last few weeks on Instagram, both at The Lineup Pod and at Dave Prodan. We very much appreciate the comments and questions, and we do our best to respond to everyone, so please keep those coming. Now, we have potentially seen the final WSL Countdown preseason event with Mikey Wright and Isabella Nichols claiming the Boost Mobile Pro Gold Coast at South Stradbrook Island last week. The two-day event featured thumping peaks at one of my personal favorite surf spots. And while the competitive field was somewhat limited due to COVID travel restrictions, the emerging generation of Australian talent once again took center stage. In addition to Wright and Nichols taking top honors, other standouts included Avoca Jesus Wade Carmichael, forthcoming CT rookie Jack Robinson, local standout Liam O'Brien, CT youngster Macy Callahan, Victoria's finest Nikki Van Dyke, and Sunshine Coast up-and-comer Sophie McCulloch. Also, a huge congratulations to personal hero Brendan Margot Margison, who bested Karen Perot, Dean Morrison, Mark Ocalupo, and B. Durbage in the Legacy Heat at South Stradbrook. It was reportedly Margot's first heat win since his 1996 event win at the NES Pro, which is awesome. We now have a short window before the official championship tour starts up after the 2020 non-season. I, for one, cannot wait, and Pat O'Connell and myself will be going in-depth on learnings from this year's preseason events in next week's episode of The Lineup. Before then, don't miss this weekend showing of the Cuervo Surf Ranch Classic, with a cross-section of the world's best longboarders styling out at Surf Ranch. The show will air this Sunday, October 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox and WorldSurfLeague.com. All right, episode 45. Today's guest is someone who is a pillar in one of the most influential families in the history of music. An internationally celebrated musician himself, and an inspired and inspiring philanthropist through his Unlimited Resources Giving Enlightenment Urge program. And although we only had a short window to connect, he unquestionably delivered some essential insights and wisdom for us all to chew on. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with Kingston, Jamaica's Ziggy Marley. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's on your boxes. Ziggy Marley, joining us on the lineup. What an honor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, man. Thanks. Good to be here. How have you and your family been getting through the past several months? You know, where have you guys been and, and what have you been up to? We've been home. I mean, that's where we are. Um, keeping busy with the kids, you know, running outside, you know, finding stuff to do, adapting to the situation and making the best of what it is. And, Absolutely. Know, yeah. And where's home for you right now? Home for you right now in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 2020 uh, would have been your father's 75th birthday and you've released this uh, comprehensive celebration of his impact and relevance with the Bob Marley Legacy Series on YouTube. It is absolutely fantastic. What role did you play in bringing this to life? Um, our role, you know, just for tell them, one, for give them a go-ahead, one, for give them some ideas, one, for be involved in it, um, talking to some of the people we spoke with. So it's an overall, it's a, you know, it's an overall 
thing thing with it that we have that we do, you know. And you recently released uh, a new album yeah. called More Family Time, which features collaborations with Sheryl Crow, Ben Harper, Alanis Morissette, Busta Rhymes, and, and many others. How long has that album been in the works for you? Just a couple of months, really, when we started, right right when the, um, the pandemic and the quarantine thing happened. Um, that's when we really kicked it off. Uh, and it was a very quick album compared to my other albums. You know, it was, we did it very fast. So just a couple of months and then we put it out, you know. You're a musician yourself, obviously. You were raised in a family of, of probably the most, one of the most influential and most impactful music families in the history of the planet. Did you ever consider yourself any other career pathway other than becoming a musician? Well, let's let's look at it this way. The reality when we were when we were kids being raised, it's not like the level of what you just said wasn't at that time. It wasn't there yet. You know now it's much more expansive and bigger than what you're saying. So we we weren't raised like that. We weren't raised under that idea of you know Bob being what we think of him today, what you think of him as today. Different situation. Mm. We grew up in a Jamaica, humble life. Bob is a musician. Yeah, him have him thing, but nowhere as exalted as he is now. And so our childhood was much more normal, humble, humble, humble upbringing. And in terms of any other part, yeah, man, I was trying to do some other stuff. Um, going into high school, I thought about it. I wanted to be a doctor, really, because, you know, it, the knowledge interests me. I like knowledge. Um, so when I went to high school, that's that's the that's the direction that I took. But I found that in, in the biology class, it was too much bookwork and not enough hands-on work. And I like doing hands-on. I like learning by doing. And so it, it kind of never interests me no more. But then I, gave, I was given the ability to write some songs. And that's why I do music. The only re- That's the only reason. If I wasn't writing my songs, I wouldn't be doing music. So that's the only reason I really do music. Because we get inspiration to say something that that has meaning to not just me, but to other people out there, you know? So that's why we do music. It's really interesting context to hear you talk about, um, you know, now we look we look at the Marley family and the impact it's made on music. And, and as you said, it's so exalted and it's so huge and influential. But at the time, it was a lot more humble upbringing for you. Yeah. So in the same vein, have you personally ever had to kind of wrestle with any legacy that your father had in music? It doesn't sound like it would have been the case early on, because as you said, it was it was very humble beginnings. But now that you've grown up, have you ever had to, you know, have you ever struggled, I guess, a little bit with with how impactful your father's been? No, I mean, if I were doing a wrestling, it's just for fun. It's not really anything serious, you know. <laughs> no, man. Yo, you see, we're we we all connected. We're all we are doing doing what we're supposed to be doing, for 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 the, for the reasons. Um, you know, you're doing what you're doing. You know, you're supposed to be, you're doing something too. I'm I'm doing something. Everything is important. Everything is important. There's nothing that is more or less than the next thing. Every every piece of every block build the building. It's not one block. You know, every 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 molecule that goes into that is as important as the next molecule, right? So we can't struggle with nothing because we is as important as the biggest thing. So the smallest thing, just as important as the biggest thing. Everything play an important part in what we're trying to do. And so there's no ego for struggle with. There's no wrestling against. You know, we, we do the opposite. We, we help it. We, we embrace it. We love it. 
And we do that naturally, not because of any, not because of the situation. We just we we not we never brought up that way. That's that's the bottom line. We weren't brought up that way. You know, we brought up the way we are. And this is for embrace with family, with father. We don't struggle with with um with 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 popularity or or who's you know bigger or whatever. No matter. I love the way you answered that because that really, for me, came across in the YouTube series too, where it was everyone involved in that community and everyone involved with the music were kind of part of a larger mosaic, you know, and it was all about the same message. And it was really, really cool to see it come to life in, in that way. It felt much, much bigger than a singular person. It was, it was a movie. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, Bobby's a community, man. You know? Bobby's a, yeah. I know him single-handedly put the struggle, but he's a people person. You know what I mean? I say, yeah. He wouldn't want to take all the credit for himself. <laughs> Just say, no, man. Give this man some credit. Give that man some credit. Give that little baby some credit. And everybody gets some credit, you know? <laughs> when, when you were growing up and your dad started touring, did you join him on tour or were you, were you at home in Japan? Yeah, my, me and my brother Stephen, we did some shows. But I think my parents always talk about education because we wanted to go all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and my mother would be like, no, you guys have to go to school. But every now and again, we would get to go some shows. And we did some, we went to some significant shows and some other shows, but the most significant concerts, me and my brother, because we would go on stage and dance. The last song usually is Exodus. And me and him would go up on stage and drive the crowd crazy, you know? So two really significant concerts that we were a part of as children is the One Love Peace concert in Jamaica, um, when the political factions, we bring the political factions together. Um, and the, the Zimbabwe Independence Concert. So them two concerts are two powerful experiences for us as, as, as children. Very powerful experiences because um, they were so um, meaningful. And the, the pre, the, the, what was going on before was so like, there was just an energy, you know, there was just an energy and something was happening very, very, um, very powerful. That's all we can say. So that experience kind of, we were in that experience and it just, it laid on us, you know? So we kind of have a vibe of music and how, what the importance of music can be and, you know, the, the importance of giving messages in music and the meaning of it. It's so much bigger than yourself, you know? I, I get the impression that through your own career, you've traveled a lot, um, toured a lot for, yeah. for your own music and your philanthropy and, and your other projects. It's something we see in the surfing world a lot, too. Um, you know, you have people that are either staying in one place or touring a lot. You know, for your own sort of lifestyle, like, what have you what have you taken away from traveling, you know, internationally versus maybe even in 2020 being able to spend a lot of time in one place for a long period of time? Well, let me tell you, since we're talking about, the, you know, the surfing crew and stuff like that. So I grew up around the ocean, you know. Even my father, he, used to, he grew up on the ocean too. We used to live in a place in Jamaica called Bull Bay. And we used to walk from the house, go down to the beach. And it was a village. It wasn't like a, it was just a village. You know? And it, it, was a, it wasn't like a manicured beach. It was just a very natural manicured beach. And my, my father would run to a place called The Rock. That's where we go running. And I would do it too afterwards. I run to The Rock and we run, come back and we swim. And we had the fisherman bring up the boat out of the water. We'll push up the boat and we some fish and we roast some fish and thing. And then when my spiritual growth began, I spent a lot of time in Nassau and I had a li- about a little dinghy, a little rubber boat. And I would go out into the ocean by myself and spend hours just like, <laughs> just like vibing, you know what I say? Out into the ocean, just me alone and my dinghy. <laughs> plenty <laughs> meditation, plenty, plenty, 
plenty growth happening on the ocean. I would say for me, you know what I'm saying? There was one of my places where I went for that spiritual enlightenment. And so the beach, the ocean, very important for me. Now traveling through the world, you know, when I travel through the world, I always try, if I have a day, I always try to find somewhere natural to go. Mm. And um, the last time I went, what, which part would it be? Um, Nantucket, or one of them, one of those little islands off of Boston, off of Massachusetts, we went. And I'm, I was really a fan of the Atlantic Ocean. You know, it's too cold and too monstrous and whatever. So I like the Caribbean Sea and, you know, maybe the pa- some Pacific, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the Atlantic, but I went this time and we found this beach. And the energy, I mean, it was uh, the, right before the concert, too, I went, like, you know, just for the little exercise and run. So we find a little beach and the waves them big, bam, bam, bam. But I was feeling, I was feeling such good energy that I was like, let me go in the water, you know. So, man, I went to that water. It was cool, but it was like a cool that, that gives you life. You know, you, mm. when you come out, you feel, wow, the energy of that ocean was so powerful. So when I travel around, I try to find places like that where I can get some of that nature from, 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 the, from the area. You mentioned uh, the idea of meditation, and I think that's like an important kind of parallel a lot of times between music and surfing or really any activity, right? Especially in 2020, it's so hard to be present and to just focus on one thing, which is uh, central to meditation. So whether it's you jumping in the Atlantic Ocean and your whole body is like, I'm cold, I'm cold, but it's one <laughs> thing, right? Like surfing, it's it's so encompassing, it's one thing, or music, yeah. it's so encompassing, it's one thing. Yeah, have, you, have you found that throughout your career? Yeah, man, listen, man, the wave, listen, man, I always sing about waves, you know, I sing about waves. So I understand the meditative, ocean is a meditative force, man. It, you know, when, I mean, just close your eyes and listen and you're, and you're good. So, yeah, we'll find that everywhere. Yeah, man. All right. We're going to shift topics in a second here, but real quick, we're going to word in from our sponsors. Something that surfing has wrestled with, I know we're not talking about wrestling, but over the past several <laughs> decades has been synthesizing the the idea of surfing, which is sort of freedom, expression, inclusivity to an extent, with the commercialization of it through the industry or the media, the sport. And it's something that surfing's had to reckon with more in 2020 than maybe at any other point. And I'd imagine it's pretty similar with music, uh, especially sort of the music that you and your family create. Have you had any challenges throughout your career in, in the commercialization of your music and the ideas that it, it wants to offer the people? Yeah, I mean, listen, the music, the corporate structure, right? How it's set up is that it I think it likes to be safe. It always likes to be safe. It always likes to um if something is hot is happening, it it tries to emulate that and and expand that. And and so our music has never really fit into that that mm-hmm. way of, of, of creating. Um, so we would like our songs to be heard by as much people as possible. Yes. And sometimes that make you want to try to commercialize it because that's how you get like, that's that bigger platform. To, yeah. To get, but it, to get into that lane, you really have to follow other people. You can't, you know, because mm. that's how the system set up. Forget that sort of, expansive um, exposure, you got to be in, 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 a, in, a, in a little box there, in a way. So, I mean, every now and again, I'll try a little thing or two, but I realize I have to make my own lane. 
You know what mm. I say? You know, just like, you know, we just have to make our own lane and drive in that lane. And then if somebody want to come in that lane, you, yeah, come on, it's, it's a big lane. So, you know, it's, you can come in the lane. And then, you know what I say? So that's how we approach this thing. And in, in, back in the past, it was frustrating in a way. We had some commercial success, of course. But the commercial sex we have, we commercial the commercial success we had, I I never really realized it because I wasn't living in that world. I was mm. I was in Jamaica. I wasn't in where the <laughs> success was happening like that. You know the idea of the commercial success. So I wasn't really a part of my own commercial success. I was like back in Jamaica and just living my life and doing what we do. But I feel very happy where we are. You know, especially we have. I mean. There's good things that happen with the technology. We can reach more people ourselves. We can do a lot of things ourselves. Independence. I'm an independent artist. I have an independent label. I own my publishing, my masters and things like that. So that is the ultimate, really, success for me. It should be free and independent. Because it's a, it's a thing that people talk about for years. My father was someone that... And my mother instilled that in me from a young age. I, heard, I always heard them talking about independent. They want to be independent. You know what I mean? So... That is, that is, for me, my success right now is to be free, you know? Well, those also feel like the ideas that are most resilient, right? Because the music that you produce and the music that your family's involved with have, have survived decades, you know, and trends change through music or society mm. or anything else. But in terms of defining success, too, I mean, even watching the Bob Marley Legacy series, it struck me is that, you know, whether it was commercial or not, the entire identity of Jamaica is wrapped up in in the Marley family. You know, whether it's surfing with Shama Beckford at Bull Bay, uh, skating with Boo Johnson, you know, soccer, you know, women's rights, like everything is wrapped up in the music. It is the DNA of, of that country in a lot of ways. Would you would you agree with that to an extent? Well, yeah, but it's deep, it deep, it deep, you know, it, it really run deep. I mean, mm. it's not say Marley, I wouldn't say Marley because the music of my father's generation uh, played a big role and is kind of the what you call a DNA. Even though in this time um, there's other things going on, which is not, which which is coming from the roots, but is not as as um significant as the roots. Yeah. Mm. So it's not about Marley at all. You know, it's about a spirituality. It's about a camaraderie and a, and about you know. Remember, me telling you, my father want to give credit to everyone. You know, credit to you know. <laughs> Everyone deserves some credit, so it could never be that way. I mean, my father is a hero in a Jamaica to us, you know what I mean? It's like one of, it's like America of what, George Washington or whoever, whatever. Um, South Africa of Nelson Mandela, Jamaica of Bob Marley, you know what I mean? Mm. And he the thing with Bob is that he, as you said, the DNA, he was a special place because where he's coming from, both from the countryside and both from the city side. And People know, the, the, the people know him. People from the old days know Bob. It's not like he was this figure that, they, they know him as a, as a, as a man. Mm. And so every story what people pass on from the old days about Bob as a man really give the people an idea of who Bob was. Not just as a legend, but as a human being, as a man who walk and talk, people talk to Bob. And, and how, them, how them portray Bob in those stories make Bob... Bob is a special person. And him is a, what, for, for those stories, him depicted as a hero because he was a good man who give and was a humble man. Humble. 
Mm. You know, me I say credit, 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 credit. So, him is one of our big heroes, you know, but it's not about Marley. Cause a lot of, a lot of people paved the way for what for the DNA of Jamaica. So it couldn't be just Marley, you know? It's a part it makes of it. Sense. Yeah. It makes sense because it sounds like the, the, the people and the culture of Jamaica informed the Bob Marley music and then the Bob Marley music yeah. and the music of the Marley yeah. family amplified choo-choo. that to the world. Choo-choo, yeah. choo-choo, yeah. 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 It, it's interesting what you said about this, the real human being stories of, of Bob, right? Because we talk about this a lot in people like to deify uh, figures in culture or demonize, right? And it's it, it ends up polarizing people's opinions on everything. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah, big true. deal in 2020. And, and it feels like, again, like if you're able to humanize people, there's a lot of layers in between, like, you know, God and devil in a lot of ways. And it's better because you go, oh, I can, I can love that part of that person, even if they're imperfect. Yeah, but the funny thing is, and I get, I hear you, it's true. But then I just came up with this idea now in my head. It's like a person can be not deified, but respected, loved, and mm. honored for being, I mean, having... The, the, the ability to do things that not everyone else can do. Uh, you know what I say? It's okay to be both. It's okay to be deity and human. Mm. It, is, it is what it is. It's okay. Yeah, you don't have to be one or the other. You can be both. You can be very special and still be... You don't have to be like, a, oh, you're a god, but you're not human. No, you're a god and you're human. Mm. Oh, my God. You know what I say? We're both. We're, yeah, you know what I say? So... In a way, it's like we are, we try to divide everything and make it be one or the other. Mm. But we as a species, we are beings that could be so much more enlightened than what we are now. You wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize who we are now if we ever got to that place. We have the potential to be super enlightened. And who we are now as a species, we wouldn't even know. Like, what? We were that? <laughs> I, I hope so. But I think you're right, right? Because it is it creates permission. Like, if if... If I'm a human and I can be something more, yeah, awesome. Or yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You can be flawed. Like yeah. you so can be I flawed and still have that thing, you know? Yeah. That's totally right. Yeah. For sure. So it feels like a huge theme in your own work, whether it's philanthropy or or your music, is children. You know, you you have yeah, you man. have this wonderful um philanthropic program um where you're giving music to kids. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, again, it's how we grew up, how we, how we were brought up. You know what I mean? It's what we see around us from we were children. All of these things is not new. It's things that, that we've been living from we were children. And I don't know, there's just something in our hearts. And because of where we grew up to, Jamaica, you know, and then because we had more, but we came from less. So now you have a, you have a connection to the less. You know, you want, I don't know if that's what it is. I, I want to help. I just want to help. And it's something that is true within us. Um, so we focus on children right now. Um, and there was a point in time where I would just give people things, you know, just say, all right, give handouts and hey, hey, in Jamaica, like, hey, hey. But then I realized it wasn't really doing any good, you know. So we have to figure out some way. And then we realized, say, well, the only way the world really can be impacted in the way we needed to be impacted to become a much better community, you have to focus on the children. That's, that's where it's going to come from. Just like I tell you, this is the way I was brought up. It starts from there. Every, the change starts from there. 
It doesn't start from the politicians in the office mm. or even some people right now. It starts from the children. That is the only opportunity we're going to have. We can't wait until people become even teenagers for start say, hey, you guys need to stop. Don't, you guys don't need to be so divisive mm. with each other politically, racially. You know, racism, we don't need race. You know, you don't have to wait till then. It have to start from now, from the child, from, from babyhood. And so that's why we focus on children and we have a school in Jamaica that we adopted, we help financially. Um, we help up some other charities here in Los Angeles, Hula, um, in Mexico, we do some things too. And anywhere, anybody that comes to me and say, hey Ziggy, we have this polio thing that I do with um, UNICEF. You know, I'm always, it's not just about the organization, it's about me also giving my voice to other worthy causes out there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a community of us. All of us are in the same community. Yeah, it, it strikes me as really impactful because it, it feels like that program was born out of the message of the music in a lot of ways. It's become an extension of, of, of the music. And if you had to kind of summarize the key messages in, in your own music and in your family's music, what would they be? In your opinion, love is the only answer for that. Love, cause love is the love is the love. It's love. It's love. Everything is done out of love. Even the most revolutionary song, it is still created out of love. Love is the most revolutionary thing you can do right now. You can love one another. That is the most rebellious thing. There's nothing more rebellious than loving each other right now, because the status quo is the division. So to be rebellious, to be revolutionary, you have to love. Cause the other thing easy. You can't hear it. It's easy. I hate that guy, he thinks that I hate that guy. It's easy to hate. But the roughest thing right now is to love each other. And so that is the ultimate message, you know, from us as people and from us as musicians. I mean, that is where everything is coming from. Different words, but that's where it's coming from. That's the root, the DNA of it. It, it strikes me as interesting because I would say that your music and the music of your family is something that in my own experience, I see people enjoy from different your races, genders, sexualities, backgrounds, both sides of polit political spectrums. It's, it is, everyone <laughs> enjoys it. So you kind of look at it and go like, well, then that's sort of a starting place to at least create like relationships, right? Across these lines that you said that people are dividing. And I think it's ideally like, and I'd say the same thing about music broadly, but that's where we would like to see surfing as well. Same thing, you know, there's divisions in surfing, but it is the oceans for everybody. Like, <laughs> So I it should be able to except, talk. Except when you get a wave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It punishes everyone the same. So. But, but I think that's a big part of it, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's like, hey, it, people, people enjoy the same things. They don't have to yeah. be as divided as, as systems tell them to be. No, man. The ocean is like music, as you said, bring people together and people enjoy the, you know, I mean, look how much people enjoy the ocean. Billions of people enjoy the ocean. But all of the mm. ocean. Yet still, we have so much plastic going on and shit in the ocean, mm -hmm. you know what I say? So it's like, what are we going to do? You know what I say? We, can't, we, are, we are destroying something that we love without even knowing that we're destroying it. It's like, and, and the people them that creating the, the, the materials, they don't even care. The politicians don't even care. You know, it's like, why? Nah, we are destroying the ocean, you know? We have to do something, man. We have to kind of figure it out because it's happening kind of invisibly because we don't see it every day. You know, mm. one, but it's happening hard. And because it's not in our faces, it's like, even me, like, you know. So we really have to kind of focus everybody's attention because it's, we're really doing damage. We're really doing damage, bro. It's, and it's going to be, it's going to be hard if we don't 
like make that move. I mean, every, we're doing a little by little, but we got to make a move on that. I don't know. We have to do something. I don't know how, what. I don't know if it's a political thing or what, but we got to take care of the ocean. I totally agree. I think it's part of just rallying around the same reality and these same ideas, mm. you know, where it's like if everyone agrees that this is the reality, like pollution in the ocean or the environment impacts everybody. doesn't matter who you are, where you Right, but I'm saying that we could do it because we talk about it all the time, but I don't think we... Mm. I don't think there's a mass enough movement to act, to do the chain because we should be using less plastic as individuals. I try to use less plastic. And I don't, you know, I try to make sure. I don't know if everybody, if billions of people are conscious that way. And we need billions of people. We need at least hundreds of millions of people for being on the same page. It's that important. But we talk about it, you know, with Instagram, but yeah, 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 yeah. But, we need a more, we need a bigger mass of movement than what we're drawing right now to achieve what we need to achieve. And, you know, we, we keep trying, we keep pushing. We're not going to stop pushing, but we need a bigger, we need a big, 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 big movement, man. We, you know, we talk a lot about it, but the movement, the people coming together is not big enough. So we need to push even more. Everyone needs to push. All those people with billions of followers and all these people with millions of followers and all of these. Everybody should be on the same page. The ocean is not something that is divisive. It can't be divisive. You know, we have put too much plastic in the ocean. What, what's, what's the problem? Let's stop using so much plastic. People. We don't have, even if they want to make the frigging products, yo, we're not buying that product. We want, we want to use less plastic. Yeah, I think that's, you, you, you hit on the right point. Like, at the end of the day, it's just, you have to combat capitalism by saying, not buying that anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, they, it's like, oh, it's Instagram, I don't care. But if they see their sales dip and that's why, yeah. they change. Like yeah. it's anything else, right? Yeah, but that's the only way we're going to impact it, man. I'm telling you. Because right now, they don't care. They do not care. Speaking of uh, people being on the same page, you've got, uh, I think it's eight siblings, a number of nephews, beautiful children. One of the things that struck me about the YouTube series is how the Marley family writ large have really become vessels and, and extensions, as we talked about, of the music and the message in your own time, whether it's covering, remixing, writing your own music. It, it really, really is stunning. What is the relationship like between you and your other family members as you're, as you're, you're driving through your work? No, we have a loving relationship, respectful relationship. We have ups and downs. We have some quarrels sometimes and disagreements. But I think we respect each I think respecting each other is, is the biggest thing. Cause you can love somebody, but don't respect them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So the respect is, is, is that empathy, is that is that equality, is that treating everyone the same and do unto others as you would have them do unto you kind of, you know, messaging and, and lifestyle. I think that's how we, we, we live it, you know? goes the other way too, right? You don't have to love someone, but you can respect them. Yeah, I don't know about that with me. <laughs> Maybe do both. <laughs> but, <laughs> Probably it's I mean, antithetical to what you guys talk about. I about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I respecting? I mean, let's say I don't respect... You know, some people want respect because they're violent or because they're bullish or them, you know, like that type of respect. I don't give that. I yep. don't, you know, so, and so people who I would respect is also people who I think I would love in a way. You know what I said? I think the respect, the respect is by, you have to respect somebody for love. I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a thing. We think about it. We try I like to it. it. I, I appreciate you being real with me on this podcast. I am. I but... am. I try to like figure it out as a, right now too myself. <laughs> Well, before we go, I know you've got some new projects and we want to let people know about it. So I understand you're headlining a socially distant 
drive-in concert in Orange County in Anaheim on the 24th. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, this is where we are. Um, it's an opportunity that I love taking. It's something new for me, and it's the situation where we find ourselves in. And, you know, it's, it's an adventure, really, um, because I've never done it before. And I've been to a drive-in before watching a movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've watched movies at driving, but I've never, I, I never had this experience before. So it's going to be new and for me exciting. And we're happy to get back out there and play music and people for listen to music out there and, you know, do it as safe as we're supposed to do it according to what everyone is, um, according to what we need to do right now, you know? I think it's fantastic. I think people, they're social creatures, they want to be connected. Yeah. So being able to do that at a show like that is going to be really, really powerful. Yeah, man, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna have fun. It's like I have this all this pent up energy, you know. So it's a little tough. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Right on, man. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we take off? No, man. More family time. The new album, kids album, family album. Ready for go. Ready for you know. To have some good songs with Ben Harper, Cheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette, some more people, and we had a good time doing that. It's a very, very uplifting album for for everyone, really. Beautiful. Ziggy Marley, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the lineup, and we'll uh, we'll look out for you down the track. All right, man. So that's it. That's the lineup presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold's conversation with Ziggy Marley. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Be sure to check out the Bob Marley Legacy series on YouTube. It's certainly worth your time. Additionally, if you're in Southern California, check out Ziggy Marley's drive-in concert in Anaheim on October 24th. There are two shows one at 2 p.m. and one at 7.30 p.m. This episode is produced by Ryan Fawcett with art direction by Jason Penning. Thanks to both of them and thanks to our sponsors for supporting these conversations. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Kichtavagnar people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are and we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>